well this morning. I mean that, even those in the back. <laughs> Great to see you guys. Um, last week, last week as we were uh, just talking about some of the things over the summer, if you were here last week, we talked about God wanting a deeper relationship with us. Uh, that just in itself is like uh, just a powerful thought that the God of all the universe and all creation actually knows you but wants to know you more, invites us at every age, you know, teenager, uh, adult, you know, or, you, you know, at the, at, even at the end of life, wanting to know us in a, in a deeper way. Uh, the thing is, even though God's all-powerful, He can't make that happen. And we looked at that last week. None of us can make deeper relationships happen. We can try. We can create opportunity, but we can't make someone love us more. We can't make um, relationships go deeper. We can just create opportunity for that. We can uh, offer an invitation for that. And so that's what we said last week. That's what God's doing for each and every one of us. And this, this morning as we're singing, the invitation is to sing those words of truth, to just get, you know, to, to again remind ourselves of who he is and experience him in a deeper way. And we talked about how um, last week that there's steps on our journey of faith. And every one of us is in different places, and we're at different places than maybe we were even a week ago. But just as a refresher, we want to throw this, uh, this uh, picture up here of the steps that, some of the steps that Jesus called people to. He would often call crowds of people to say, hey, come follow me. Follow me around. And so maybe you're here this morning, you're not a Jesus follower, but you're kind of curious, you know, like, what is all this Christianity thing, you know? Uh, is, is it real? Is it not? Is it, it like, who was, who was Jesus? And maybe you're just like the crowds back then, just sitting in sort of like, I'm just, I'm curious. And Jesus would often tell people, yeah, if you're curious, come follow me. Come see and come watch, come experience the kingdom of God on the planet. And then he would say, you know, and if you get to that point where you believe I am who I say I am, that I'm the son of God, and then if you need a savior, I'm the one who can save you. He says, put your trust in me. You can trust, you can put your trust in me for, for your life now and for eternity. And then he said, and you know, if that's the case, then take step three and identify your whole life with me. That, that you'd say, you know, that through baptism, my, my old life died on the cross with Jesus. I trust that my past has been forgiven and it's gone. I've buried all of that and I've risen out to become a new person with Christ and in Christ. He says, identify with me. And, and then in step four, it simply just simply says, hey, would you walk with me? And that looks different every single day walking with Jesus every single day. And, and we said there's, there's steps beyond that. Maybe walk with me leads to, hey, go to Haiti for a year. That could be, uh, that could be the step. I'm just grateful he said stay in Canada for a year. So uh, for me, that's, um, I, I'm grateful for that. But those are the steps that, some of the steps that uh, he takes us on. And we, we said last week, you know, you can know about people or know about things, but it's way different knowing about uh, and experiencing very, very different things. Um, you could know about God, and um, it's just like, oh, yeah, I heard the Bible stories. I learned them as a kid growing up, and they're just this empty nothingness to them. They're just stories, or, or you can experience God is what he desired for you. I talked about last week how uh, I, with, the, with the Ferrari that I had a chance to experience driving a Ferrari. It's way different than just seeing pictures of it, watching YouTube videos of it, to actually sit behind the wheel with all of that power and just to experience it. It's incredibly different. And my prayer for us as a church is that we wouldn't just know about God, but that you'd experience him. You wouldn't know about his love, but you'd experience his love. It'd be like a hamster drinking out of a fire hose. You know, it's just like, oh, his love is just so overwhelming. I know, wouldn't that be awesome? Awesome. Paul said, you know, this idea of knowing Christ was an incredibly, incredibly important thing. And last week we challenged you with the steps. My question is, how did you do with that last, this week? 
Did, did, how, we won't do show of hands, but how many of you, you, like, you answered that knock at the door? You felt like during this week, you know, Holy Spirit wanted, to spend, you know, wanted you to spend some time with him. You're like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to set aside some time, or I'm going to set my mind on him. I'm working in my shop, but, you know, God's with me. How, how many of you did something with, about that? And a lot of times you were just like, oh, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that till right now. Because the weeks just go by. And that chance of, of doing something about what we learn can easily slip by. And so this morning, Paul said, and we ended last week with this verse. I want to start with it this morning. Philippians chapter 3. Paul talked about the idea of knowing Christ. And he said this, I once thought that these things, and we refer to these things, he had a lot of things going for him in life. He was born in the right family. He was well-educated. He, um, he, he was popular. Uh, he had a lot of stuff going for him. But he said, you know what? I once thought those kind of things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yeah, everything else actually is worthless when I compare it with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else. I count it like garbage so that I could gain Christ. You know, if he compares everything in life, it's meaningless compared to knowing Christ. And I'd ask myself, do I compare everything in my life as meaningless compared to knowing Christ? And if I don't, if I don't think that, that, that this is so much better than that, do I really, do I, have I really experienced knowing him to the level that Paul has? I say I have a ways to go. He says, I want to become one with him. I, I don't even count on my own righteousness or being right with God through obeying rules. He says, rather, I became righteous through trusting um, in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith or depends on trusting him. And that's open to you this morning. If you're not a Jesus follower, you know, it's, he's simply offering that to you as well, to put, your, to put your trust in him. Verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. Not just know him, I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. This does not sound like a man who just read Bible stories. This sounds like a man who knew someone, who experienced someone, and that someone is, is God himself. That's what they, they, they were so passionate about um, other people understanding and knowing that we, uh, as, he's, you know, re, 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 uh, as he's writing to the Romans. I know, that's the English, the power of English will return in a second. As he was writing to the Romans, and we've been studying Romans verse by verse uh, for the last, I don't know, 17, 18 weeks here in our, in our um, Bible study. This week they said, we want you to just go through the Old Testament, we want to go through the New Testament and find verses that de describe God. And they gave us some things uh, to help us to get to know God, to get to know Jesus, to get to know Holy Spirit, because they're all the same. They may have different, different um approaches to humanity, but it's, it's God's, it's, he's God. God, uh, last week we talked about God being Holy Spirit in us, and as we looked at these words, there's words that I don't use very often, like omniscient. Anybody use that word this week? I don't think so. Omniscient, it just simply means that he's all-knowing, that God knows everything about everything, including me and including you. God knows everything about you. You know, that he's omnipotent, that he's all-powerful, that there's nothing or no one that can stop him. And we think about that. This is the God who wants to know me. The omnipresent one. He's near and he's far at the same time. He's right here. He's right there. He's in Caledonia. He's in Singapore. Right now, he's everywhere. You know, he's eternal. He's always been. He always will be. He's unchanging. His nature and his character never change. Who he was, you can trust him to be tomorrow. He's not going to be the one who is like, oh, I love you. And tomorrow, like, <laughs> get your act together. I don't love you so much today. He doesn't change. And then in reading just different things, he's holy, he's pure, he's perfect. When sin arrives, he's, he's wrathful because he's just, he's righteous, 
He's gracious, he's merciful, he's compassionate, he's wise, he's jealous because he's loving, he's truthful, he's faithful, he's good. I'm like, man, if we just would just grab onto some of those words, let's start worship all over again. You know, you're, you're just, you're righteous, you're gracious, you're merciful, you're compassion, you're wisdom. God, if we could get a glimpse of just a little piece of each, how incredible. You know, it's actually the greatest thing that we can even offer the world. I've been, uh, this, this week I spent probably more time than I should studying this topic of hell. There's been some questions, I'm not preaching on today, don't worry, but there's, there's some, some topics, uh, some thoughts that I'd had, and there's this guy named Tim Mackey, and he just said, you know, typically as, a, as the, the Church of Jesus Christ, now we offer people this, this kind of get out of hell uh, religion, serve Jesus so you don't end up going to hell. You know, put your trust in Jesus so you don't burn eternally. And he said, that's really not what the gospel message is. It's not what Jesus preached. It's not what the New Testament people preached. Jesus never said, come follow me so you don't burn in hell. He, he simply said, come follow me so you can experience the kingdom of God. The God who came, sent me to this planet to undo evil, the things that we all hate. He says, you can experience that now and for eternity, the undoing of evil. Think about the most evil thing that you hate. Maybe it's, you know, tr- um, child trafficking. Maybe it's murder. Maybe it, whatever it may be. Just think of a world without that. Think of the fact that there's a God who also hates those things. And a God is like, I'm going to send Jesus to undo that on the planet. And I'm giving you the chance to know this God. I'm giving you the chance to do life with this God. Very different perspective than many of us were, were raised with. And so this morning, my thought is if this God wants to know us, the God who would send his son to die on a cross so that he could bridge a relationship with us. And there's us on this side saying, yes, I would like to know that God. And we have a genuine sincerity in our hearts. Yes, I want to know God. How come there's times where we don't hear him? And how come there's times where we don't feel him? If God's present all the time, like we learned last week, he says, I'm with you always is what he told the disciples. And you're like, well, I can't feel his presence. You know, or the, maybe it's the, the thought last, you know, from John 10, where he says, my sheep hear my voice. And you're like, well, when I pray, I just hear crickets or, you know, my stomach. Like, uh, I, I, don't, I don't hear I don't feel, and so I'm not going to do a show of hands. How many of you have ever been in that place? Because you tell me privately and through email, so I know some of you feel that way. And I would imagine that many people find themselves in that place because I think everyone finds himself in that place. I read through the Old Testament stories of great men like Elijah, great men who saw God do incredible things. He watched God um, supernaturally reveal himself by lighting up this altar on fire. And it's a phenomenal story. You can read about it um, if you'd like. But he sees God prove himself. And just a couple days later, he's out sitting in, he's running away, he's scared for his life, he's sitting in a desert like, oh God, no one cares about me, everyone's trying to kill me, I don't think you even, you know, you even care about me, I just want to die. It's like two days since he saw God prove himself to be alive and real, I'm not sure anymore. If that can happen to him, I'm sure it can happen to us. And so this morning, I just want to remind us of something that I saw even just a, a number of years ago, just a simple reminder to be aware of his presence just a little bit more aware of his presence. So a couple thoughts this morning. Um, How'd you spend your day so far? Have you even thought about how you spent the minutes of your day? This is the average person, they say. So there's no average people here, but average people spend their time in certain ways. You get about 1,400, well, you get exactly 1,440 minutes uh, each and every day to spend. You get, um, depends on how, depends on your age and how much you sleep, I guess you get certain ones of those awake. So approximately 915 minutes every day. How did you spend it? They said, you know, the average person, the average person spends eight hours and 48 minutes sleeping. 
They spend three hours and 35 minutes a day working. And I was like, you know what? I always get harassed for like working only two hours a week or whatever. But the rest of you don't work that much either. Or maybe I'm just bringing down the average. I don't know. But two hours and, you know, 49 minutes watching television every day. Two hours and 29 minutes in leisure and sports, two hours in household-related things, an hour and 10 minutes eating and drinking, 47 minutes in personal care, 44 minutes shopping, probably online, 32 minutes caring for household members, 25 minutes in education. We send them to school for eight hours, and they spend 25 minutes in education. 19 minutes organizational, civic, religious activities, which is what you'll be doing today, 14 minutes in other activities, 11 minutes caring for non-household members, and 8 minutes on your phone calls, your email, and, your, and reading your mail. That is the average use of, of a day. Most of us have, did not think about how we spent our day, and a lot of times we compartmentalize our lives, but the New Testament writers and, and God, they, they talk about the idea that our lives aren't compartmentalized. There isn't like, this is kind of my, my regular life in there, oh, that 19 minutes, that's my sort of my spiritual life. He's like, your whole life is spiritual. All of you is spiritual. And he says this idea of being more aware of God's presence is how many of those minutes of that day in your day, let's just pick yesterday. How many of the minutes yesterday were you aware that God was present? Like, I, I don't know. It was Saturday. I only think about that on Sunday. How many minutes were you aware that God was present as you were getting up, as you were getting dressed, as you were going to work, as whatever you were doing, that God was present? See, Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 13, verse 14. He says, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or basically, be aware of God's presence all the time. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Paul's saying to these, to these believers, he's like, it's really important that you are aware of his presence as much as possible. And when we think of the presence of the Lord, different things happen in, in people's minds. So for some people, like for church people, church people, sometimes this idea of the presence of God it, with church people, it can, be, it can become a little bit spooky. Like, they start talking about the presence of God and their voice changes. The presence of God was there this morning, brother. I felt his presence in the, in the service this morning. I got, I got goosebumps. Well, that could be, you know, that they sang your favorite song or that the AC was a little bit too um, high. But it's not necessarily that that's the presence of God. But we have this thing of, oh, I felt it. I felt something. It must have been the presence of God. Then there's other times where it's like, you just know that you know that you know. That as you're sitting there, as you hear, it's like, man, those words are like for me. It's almost like he read my mind. How does he know what I'm thinking? How does he know what I went through this week? And it's like, you just know that it was for you. And you're like, yeah, God, I, can, I know that your presence, that you're speaking to me. And there is this real sense of his presence. But what I find so often is that people who have had a sense of feeling God's presence or a sense of his presence, then when they're going through stuff where they don't feel God's presence, they think he's no longer present. They wrestle with those thoughts that, you know, if I can't feel his presence, he's not present. If I can't hear his voice, he's not here. And there's a difference between God's omnipresence where he's everywhere and his manifest presence where you can sense it. And King David, King David wrote songs for people to sing. I'm not going to try and sing it because I don't know the tune, but this is what they would sing, songs that they would, that they would sing songs so that they could speak out what they believed and speak out the truth so others could hear. And here's what he says in Psalm 139. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. Think, you know, I, I can never escape from Holy Spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. So in the highs of my life, you're there. But if I go down to the grave, if I'm in the lowest places in life, you're there too. 
You know, if I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me, your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness, I can't hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light, they're the same to you. It's like he is, he's everywhere. I love this little picture because I think in pictures, but um, God's omnipresence maybe in a picture could look like this. You know, you're here and here and here and here. You're, he's, he's everywhere. If we would just grasp that thought that the God of the universe is everywhere, really, here's what that means. He's also, he's right here, but he's in every hospital bed of loved ones that you care about right now. He's right here, but he's also with those who are grieving loss, who stayed at home today because they just couldn't muster the strength to get out of bed and come today. He's there with them. He's, he's everywhere. The thing is, he's not limited by time either. So your next struggle, your next issue, the, the thing that you, haven't even, you don't even know is coming yet, he's already there. So when you get there, it's like, oh God, where are you? He's already, he's already there. He is already there. Powerful thoughts. You know, sometimes we sing in worship, oh God, we welcome your presence. And he's like, yeah, I was here before you were. Because we don't think about that. We don't realize the truth of that. He is everywhere. And as we think about that for a little bit, um, we wonder, why did we get this idea that God's presence was in certain places or certain times? If you read through the, some of you say, well, it's in the Bible. It is. In the Old Testament, you know, before Jesus was here, people, people understood the presence of God differently than we do now and than we should. Um, there were certain people who experienced God's presence. There were certain times. There were certain places. There are places like this, the tabernacle. This is, this, this is what they, God had said, I can't be around everyone, so you come to this place, and here's where you'll encounter the presence of God. And so people would go to a building at a certain time and certain, certain place to experience his presence. And then that moved on from the tabernacle to the temple, which was, again, a place where people would go to experience God's presence. And then somehow that became today where people think, oh, we go to a place on a Sunday morning because that's the house of God. It's not his house. This is not his house. This is not where, you know, as you're driving down the road tomorrow, you're like, huh, you know, there's God's house. I wonder if he's home. <laughs> he, he's not because you're not here. See, you're the house of God and wherever you go, and that's what we're going to find out in a minute. Some still think that that's what it is, and it's like, oh, this is where maybe I'll experience the presence of God. You know, in the New Testament, with a new covenant, with God's new way of doing things, he said, I'm Emmanuel, I'm God with you. And last week we said that Jesus said, I'm not just going to be with you anymore, I want to be in you. Not just with you, not just outside, outside, I want to fill you with myself, I want to fill you with my Holy Spirit, so you experience life with me and me with myself and you. I was reminded, my kids, when they say funny stuff, we write it down, and um, yeah, a couple of years ago, Max and Finn were fighting, they, they often fight, they're very close in age, and, uh, and so Max, he's still the older brother, and um, he's bugging his brother Finn, he's doing something to him, and then you hear Finn yell, Max, don't do that, Jesus wouldn't like it. And Max right away replies with, yeah, well, Jesus is in me, so he's doing it to you too. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's great theology. That's just a really bad application of it. But that's that thought. He's in me. He's in me. So if my four or five-year-old kid can, can understand that, it'd be probably good for us to understand he's in us. So whatever I'm doing, I'm bringing him along. He's, he's in it as well. Uh, and God in the New Testament writers wanted people to desperately understand this thought. That God is not just with us, but that he is in us. And so Paul, Paul, who was not a Jesus follower, hated the Jesus followers, murdered Jesus followers, met Jesus and became a Jesus follower. Started building these places that they called the gatherings. We call them churches, but they were gatherings of, of Jesus followers. And he began to write letters to them explaining 
this, this thing. Everything's changed. It's not temples anymore. It's, that's not where God is. He's in you. And he wrote this to the Corinthians. He says, don't you realize? Don't you realize, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, don't you realize that your body, your body, it's the temple. It's the house of Holy Spirit. He lives in you and was given to you by God. He's like, don't you realize that? Why does he write that? Because they didn't realize that. My, my challenge this morning, do you realize that the Spirit of God lives in you? By your raucous cheers, I can tell you might not. <laughs> what a thought. What a thought. To the Colossians, he wrote this. God wanted the Gentiles to know the riches and glory of Christ, that it's for you Gentiles. He says, and this is the secret of the good news, that Christ lives in you. Not just, you know, it, he's saying all throughout, you see, Holy Spirit lives in you. God lives in you. He's not just with you. And that him living in you, that's assurance that one day you're going to spend eternity with him. He wanted us to know the truth. He wanted them to know the truth that God's with and in, with you and in you, no matter how you feel. See, that thought, if, if we did all of our other relationships that way, it would, it would feel a little bit different. Can I, is anybody can volunteer? Derek, can you maybe help me? Sure. Volan told him. It's my buddy, Derek. So, can I, can I, can I see him right now? Yeah, is he present? Can I, can I hear him? Yeah. Yeah? Is he present? Can I feel him? Yeah? Is he present? He's present. Okay, what just happened now? Can I see him? Is he present? Sure? Sure. Can I hear him? Is he present? Present. Can I feel him? No. Is he present? What changed? My eyes. Where are my eyes at this point? Because the second I turn around, I realize all those things are still true. So often that is exactly the way it is with God. We, we don't hear him. We don't see him. We don't feel him. We think our eyes are on him, but the, quite possible that they aren't. Thanks. You can have a seat. What if we did our marriages that way? What if like Beth leaves the room like, oh, I don't know if I'm married anymore. We would never think that. We shouldn't think that. Why don't we think that? We automatically don't think that because I know I'm in a committed relationship with this person. If I can't see her, hear her, you know, if I, I can't touch her, if I, we're not talking right now, that doesn't mean that the relationship is now somehow completely changed. We're in a committed relationship with one another. And that is the same thing that he said, I'm in a committed relationship with you. I am with you always. The problem isn't, isn't that God's um, presence or is not present. It's usually the other way around, that maybe we're not. You're like, well, I'm here. I know I'm here. Like, I'm right here. Where is he? Have you ever had a conversation with someone who's only present in body? Like this, maybe? Mom, 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 mom. Just hold on. I'm texting my important friends. You know, there's so many, so often you're trying to talk to your husband, and he's just into, like, the glow of the television. How often? How often can that happen? If it happens in real life, I, I'm sure it can happen with ours. It's not our mind gets preoccupied. We get distracted with things. And Paul, as he's writing in Romans 13, he actually, this verse follows up some, of, some others. And here's what he says in verse 8. He says, as Jesus' followers, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. Why? Because if you love your neighbor, you'll actually fulfill the requirements of God's law. He says, don't, don't think this thing's about keeping rules. Stop trying to keep rules. Just, just, just do this one thing. Just love people. 
He says in verse 9, for the commandments say, here's the rules. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. He says these and all the other commandments, they're all summed up in this one commandment of love your neighbor as yourself. Because love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. And he says, and this is all the more urgent. This idea of loving um, people, it's more urgent now than before. Why? Because time is running out. That's the same for each and every one of us. You have less time right now than you did 10 minutes ago. You have less time than you had yesterday. He's saying it's so important. He's like, wake up. Wake up and realize our salvation, that it's nearer than, than now than when we first believed. We don't know how far it is before we leave this planet. You know, we hope it's 50 years, but it could be five minutes. That's the reality. And Paul's saying, listen, he says, the night's almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. He says, we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties, drunkenness, or in sexual promiscuity, or immoral living, or in quarreling, or jealousy. He's like, let your lifestyle line up with who you trust in and who you believe in. And he's like, put on this armor of light this, this, these, um, where people can see your lifestyle. And it sounds great in theory, but you're like, Paul, how do you do that? And he explains it this way. He says, he says you want to live like that? He says, instead, clothe yourself. Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus. Be aware of his presence, and don't let yourself think about um, uh, ways to indulge your evil desires. Don't allow your thoughts to be distracted, preoccupied with everything else in life. He says, use your mind to set it and be aware of his presence in your life. You know, using your thoughts to become aware of his presence. Every time I'm challenged by the presence of, of God, this, this man in this book come to mind every single time. His name is Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was born in 1611 in France. He, uh, he, was, uh, he was, had a near-fatal injury when he was a child, but it affected his sciatic nerve. Uh, and it was during the Thirty Years' War that it happened. It affected the rest of his life. He was quite crippled. Uh, he was in chronic pain for the rest of his life. And so at midlife, he entered a monastery. He wanted to serve the Lord and others. And he spent 15 years there, 15 years actually in the kitchen, peeling potatoes and serving the others who lived there. And then the rest of his time, he, he was uh, working in a sandal repair shop. And, and he decided one day that in spite of all of his pain, he was just going to do his absolute best to be aware of God each and every moment of his day, whenever possible. So in every prayer, oh yeah, God, God's here. With every meal that he was peeling potatoes, oh, oh, God's here with me. Every task, every conversation, God's here with me. He said it was difficult at first, but later he wrote how he just simply lived his life with God, out of love for God. And the great moments of his life, he said, they became opportunities to thank the Lord for because he realized God's with me in these great opportunities. And he said, the painful trips to pick up groceries became a pleasant outing walking with the Lord where once it was hobbling in pain, it was like, no, now I'm walking with him. It became so natural to him that at the end of his life, this is what he wrote. He said, by rising after my falls, by frequently renewed acts of trust and love, I'm come to a state wherein it would be as difficult for me not to think of God as it was at first to accustom myself to it. It was really difficult, he said at the beginning, to think that God's in every moment. God's in every moment. But he says, by the end of my life, it was more difficult to think that God wasn't in every moment. He was aware that he was there all of the time. Why is it so important that we're aware of his presence? Because you become like those you spend time with. You become like them. Some people are like, how? Paul's saying, you want to live out this life of, of living right. He's like, stop trying to live right. Just be aware of his presence. Why? Because you begin to sound like people you hang out with. 
It's funny when you watch Canadians who go to Australia and come back, you know, with an Australian accent. And they were like, it was two weeks. And you're like, throw another shrimp on the bobby, right? It's like, or they go to England and they come back with an accent. It doesn't happen as much when they go to Alabama. I'm not quite sure why. But they come back with this, this accent. Why? Because they, they've been around them. They sound like them. They say that as people spend more time together, they begin to look like each other. There's pictures of married couples who, you know, they look similar. It's like, it's, it's crazy. You begin to act like them. And then you see it in your kids. You know, my kids hang out with some of your kids, and they come back with these strange behaviors. I'm like, i got to discipline that. I'm sure that never happens the other way around. <laughs> but it's true. You know, the quote says, you become like the five people you spend the most time with, so choose wisely. You become like the five people you spend the most time with, so choose wisely. Who are your five closest friends? You will become like them. It's why, you know, as teenagers or kids, maybe you're like, why do my parents care who I hang out with all the time? That's why. <laughs> They know that you're going to become like those you hang around with. And the other truth is we act differently when we're aware of somebody else's presence. It's true, isn't it? Think about it for a second. If there's a presence of a video camera, how many things change when all of a sudden, oh, there's a camera available, or there should. (laughs) This guy was not aware that there was a video camera right there. He probably would have changed his actions had he been aware that he's sitting in a place where there's a camera. Or people or things that, that realize there's a camera, all of a sudden they got a photo bomb. It's just like, this guy reminds me of my brother-in-law, Jamie, that as soon as the camera comes on, he's going to do something crazy. It wouldn't have done it a second ago, but as soon as the camera's rolling, there he goes. Or the presence of a police officer. All of a sudden, whoop, slow down. Stop texting. Why? Because we became aware of someone's presence. Or you're in a room having a conversation, a child walks in, and all of a sudden, like, you start using code words, and you know you begin talking about different topics. Why? Because you're aware of the presence of a child, um, or aware of a guest. I remember sharing uh, years ago, like in our in our past house, I would shower in the basement and get dressed upstairs. And so I was like, have a shower, grab my towel, and then one day I realized, oh man, I left all I left all my stuff up there. So I grab my towel and I run upstairs. And as I come up the stairs, I peek over the top. Well, there's Jackie Constable sitting there. I'm just like, <gasps> you know, I was, all of a sudden it changes, you know, your your total behavior. Why? Because you become aware of someone's presence. You become aware of presence and it changes. What if, what if we are aware of the presence of God, Holy Spirit, Jesus in our every moment? How would that affect the way we live? The truth is, he is always present. Do we realize it? See, if we're aware of his presence, I love those songs we sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to fear because I'm his child. And when he's with me, what else can be against me? Remember that story way back of little Johnny Little Johnny's like, his mom says, go down and get me some uh, beans from the fruit cellar. Little Johnny's like terrified, right? He's like, the fruit cellar's dark, mom. There's spiders in there. I don't want to go in there. She's like, Johnny, just go down. Jesus is with you. So he goes down to the fruit cellar, not sure. He's like, Jesus, if you're in there, can you pass out some beans? Because our hope, you know, is... It should be that we realize he is with us each and every moment. David wrote about it. You know, when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear evil. Why? Because you're with me. You're with me. I know you're with me. James said when you go through trials in the New Testament, he says, don't, don't assume God's left you because you're going through something tough. He's with you, so reach out and grab him. He's, he's doing stuff in your life as a result. And the truth is this. The secret to seeing God in the darkness is to know him in the light. The secret to seeing God in the darkness is to know him in the light. We're going to take communion together today. I want to just ask our um, uh, ushers if you guys can get ready for that. Romans chapter 13, verse 14, Paul said this, final thoughts. And he said, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Why does he say yourself? 
because God's not going to do it all for you. He's not going to do it. He can't. He can't, say, he can't offer it and make you do it. He's simply saying, here's the opportunity. My presence is everywhere. Now's your opportunity to be aware of it, that you play a role in this, in this um, relationship. What would you do differently if you were convinced that God was present with you? What does school look like if God's there? What does your job look like if God's there? What does your marriage and your house and your home look like if God's there? Because he is there. What do the conversations sound like, you know, with your employees or with your boss when you know that God's listening, that God's in that moment? Yeah, you can come along and serve it. The thing is, the truth is he's always aware, but we're, we're not often aware. He's always there. We're not often aware. So what would you do this week or what could you do this week to, to uh, help yourself become more aware of, of his presence? What could you do? I know of people who've done things specifically so that they would be more aware of, of his presence. There's people who have put, you know, uh, on their, on their um, phone, you know, of either a picture that they found of Jesus or whatever. That every time they look at their phone, oh yeah, oh wait, he's, he's with me. I've known of others. Um, uh, my my brother-in-law, he gave this challenge to his church. He took a big six-foot cutout, cardboard cutout of Jesus. And he said, all right, every week, somebody, some family's taking this this cardboard cutout of Jesus home with them, and you're going to take them, and uh, you're going to take him to everything you do. He drives with you. He goes out for dinner with you wherever you go. You know, he sits at your dinner table. You become really, and so does everyone else, that Jesus is present. I know of some who have jewelry. They have a little wooden cross in their pocket that every time they 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 reach in for money or whatever, they say, "Oh, wait, you know what? It's a reminder. He's present with me." I remember a guy who would sit out and he said, you know, when I, went, when I would spend time in prayer, he's like, I always find my mind drifting and I'd have a hard time with it. So he said, so I set out two chairs. I'd sit in one and I'd picture Jesus sitting in the other and I would just talk to him. Because I, I want to make myself aware of what is actually true. For some, you join small groups so that every week or throughout the day, there's somebody texting you, letting you know that, hey, God, God's present. What'd you do with your life? Where did you see him at work this week? You know, for others, it's like, you know, you, you, you spend time um, just studying his word. Or maybe, you know, maybe if you, if you haven't, June Jones will help you be aware of God's presence. If you know June, you just tell her, hey, listen, would you send me the scripture of the day and about eight o'clock every morning, ding, it wakes up. Let me just, this morning, I was just encouraged by this because here's, here's June's text this morning. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. What a great thing to wake up to in the morning. Oh, God, I can barely get out of bed, but you're my mighty fortress. You're my strength. You're always ready to help in times of trouble. Always ready to help in times of trouble. Regardless of what I feel or what I think, what I know, he's given us these things, these reminders, these reminders of the, the presence of, of Jesus. And as we're handing out these emblems this morning, I just ask our musicians if you guys want to come up to the front. Um, as we're about to take communion together, Jesus said to his followers, listen, I want, I want to remind you guys of something. I want you to be reminded throughout all eternity of what I've done for you. And not just done for you. Because he says, he had told them, I'm going to be in you. And very similar this morning, as we take this bread Jesus said at the dinner that night, he says, this is my body that's broken for you. As you take this, he says, I want you to do this to remember me, to honor me. But you're, you're taking something physical and putting it inside your body. He's like, in the same way, realize that my presence is in you. 
And then later on, he took the cup and he said, you know what? This cup, it's the symbol of the new covenant where there was sin that caused separation, where there was sin that caused brokenness. He says, I paid for all of that. And as you take this, realize that not only does it cleanse you, he says, it's my presence. It's my presence in you. I'm with you always. Those were his final conversations that he, that he had with his followers. And so this morning, we're going to take communion together as a reminder of that. And then we're just going to have this one chance just to, to listen to the words of the song. And my challenge for you this morning is, as that's playing, that you would just take this next few minutes to simply be aware of his presence. That he's right there with you right now. That in the situation that you left behind at home, and you're going to go back to, he's with you. He's already there, but he's with you as you go there. That the thing that you got to face this week, that maybe you don't feel ready for, his presence is with you. Not because I say it, because the God of the universe said it too. As Jesus took the bread, he said, this is my body, it's broken for you. If you do this in remembrance of me, let's do that together. Jesus, thank you for doing everything needed to restore this relationship and offer a relationship for us. Help us this week to take full advantage of being in your presence and having your presence in us every moment, Lord. Took the cup. This cup washes away the sin, washes away the guilt, washes away the shame. That means you don't have to have another second, waste another minute living with those thoughts and feelings. Why? Because he washed it away. If you trust him for that, would you take that together? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for that. So we've heard your word, heard your truth this morning. Lord, we just take this moment right now to live out what we've learned. To just simply spend a few minutes being aware of your presence.
for that truth this morning. Grateful for it. You have overcome whatever we face. We can be more than conquerors through you. Grateful for that this morning. We spend some time, a few minutes, just being aware of your presence. Holy Spirit, would you help us as we leave this place? Just be so confident that we're not leaving you here, but that you're with us, that you're in us. I work tomorrow. You're with me. You're in me. And every conversation that I have to have today, God, you're with me. You're in me. Wow. Father, I pray that it changes our life this week. This week. That others may simply see that bright, shining armor. <laughs> We live our life with you. May they see you. May they see you. May they experience you in a very real way. We go into this world that you love with your love. For your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd love to hear, you know, if this week is there's things where that takes hold for you and changes something or you notice it and recognize his presence, shoot me an email. I'd love to... We'd love to hear those thoughts from you as well.